0: So welcome back to the broadcast podcast. This is my second conversation. My name is Tim Simmons, based in Manchester, uh, Christchurch, Manchester, and volunteer on broadcast as well. And this is my second conversation with Martin Dunsford, who's uh, based down in the far south of England, or Mordor, as we like to call it up north, um, near Southampton at Hedge Ends. And um, we talked uh, last time about um, Martin's uh, ministry as as a pastor, as a church planter, And as someone who's served numbers of churches and movements of churches in all manner of different nations uh, across the world. Um, And so it's worth having a listen to that podcast if you haven't listened to that particular uh, um, episode, just to give a picture of um, Martin, particularly the prayer life, I think was the thing that really jumped out to me and hearing god actually martin i was telling people how you heard god on the side of a motorway in germany which is just <laughs> it's a great story so um yeah it's worth hearing out again so i i wanted to carry on the conversation a bit today in in the group of churches that me and you are part of uh, called new frontiers so if you're listening to this and haven't heard of new frontiers it's a um a movement of churches that started in the south of england probably. About 40 45 years ago with a, a guy called terry virgo and is now a, a global i don't know how to describe it movement of churches And um, but we would and have talked about the apostolic gifting and have um believed that that is a thing for the modern world and the modern church uh, and so um we would say in this movement of church in new frontiers there are a number of people with the apostolic uh, have an apostolic ministry. I'm never quite sure my language on this. And, um, but, uh, and Martin, you would be one of those. Uh, so I wanted to ask you kind of how you of yourself have defined that kind of what the apostolic gift is and how that kind of, how you began to realize that that was true for you, if that made sense.
1: Okay. Well, the, the word apostle simply means sent one, sent with a purpose to achieve a particular goal. Um, Jesus was the original and perfect, um, unique apostle. He was sent from the Father, of course, to achieve salvation for mankind, and um, subsequent apostles are sent um, to do a particular task, and I think um, there are many different kinds of apostles who are sent to do different kinds of tasks, different tasks, Um, uh, and they have different emphases in their ministries, different um, uh, uh, particular goals, specific goals. Um, And I think each person that emerges into an apostolic uh, ministry, um, you know, gradually understands the gifts that God has given him and the the particular direction for, for their lives. I would say, essentially... Though so, um, apostolic ministries are foundational, they are to do with laying foundations of local churches. So, they are what that means is gathering believers to get preaching the gospel, gathering believers together, appointing leaders, uh, and um, and laying a foundation of teaching uh, in in that church, so the people in that church really understand what the gospel is. Their new lives in Christ. Uh, It's all about teaching that establishes order in the household of God. So they have a structured approach to church life. They understand fellowship, the privileges and responsibilities of fellowship and that the church is there to reach the community and and all that uh, around them. So um, uh, that's an essential part, I think, of apostolic ministry, laying foundations um, and all that entails it, it entails planting churches, or or seeing that churches are planted, in, inspiring other people to plant churches. It's it's to do with um, is planting and establishing churches, raising up leadership, uh, teaching the the word of God, um, and um, and I think um, you get different kinds of apostles in the New Testament so you've got James in Jerusalem he became the leader of the church in Jerusalem when the original apostles were scattered from Jerusalem he was he he was described as as an apostle so he was clearly a man of stature Mm. uh, uh, well respected his integrity his uh, uh, his um, personal teaching gift it would seem is um uh, and uh, and he was a gatherer and a pastor he's probably pastoral would have, would describe his main gift people who someone who would gather and keep um, people uh you know together in the local church a f- kind of father figure in the local church you've got that kind of apostle you've got um, apostles then like um, peter who it seems he um, you know in 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 the early chapters of acts you get this picture of him following philip around like philip um was the breakthrough evangelist mm-hmm. and um you know so peter didn't actually uh, you know take the initiative to go and 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 open up new regions for the gospel but he followed up in samaria he then went down to judea where Um, you remember Philip went and met the Ethiopian eunuch but then he went he was transported by the spirit to Ashdod or Azotus and um, and then he worked his way up the coast to Caesarea and um, and then we read about Peter going down to Joppa and and Lod and places like that which was kind of following up Philip and then eventually up to Caesarea so uh, and up that uh, you know, so he, he was not a kind of break gospel breakthrough apostle, but he certainly went around laying yeah. foundations uh, in all the churches that kind of Philip blasted open. Uh, but then you get Paul the apostle, where he was really a, a kind of breakthrough apostle. He would go to new territories. He talks about, I, I only ever go to where the gospel's not been preached before, give me somewhere new. And, uh, and that's where I'm off to. And uh, he would preach the gospel and gather believers and plant new churches in completely breakthrough context for the gospel. And so whole areas then were broken open by the Lord. You've got other apostles, and Paul himself was one of these. For example, when he went to Ephesus, he built an apostolic base church. And from that church, people like... Um, uh, uh, epaphras and others the gospel was spread right throughout the province of asia and so build up a, a, an apostolic base church like antioch he was there doing that as well corinth reached the whole area of achaia um, and so you've got those kind of uh, of apostles who you you've got the element of um, signs and wonders paul you know with great perseverance and patience he he um, uh, you know worked uh, signs and wonders uh, uh, in, in different places and you've also got the whole care for the poor aspect when Paul was being recognized as an apostolic ministry it seemed to be very important to Peter and John the, the guys who were talking to him about the recognition of his apostolic ministry they said remember the poor and Paul said of course I'm doing it he was huge big deal issue mm. uh, and I think that's um, you know ministry to the poor care for the poor I think it's a huge dimension of apostolic ministry it's not to be delegated to other people Paul was right in the forefront mm. of ministry and care for the poor uh, you can read all about it through Acts through his letters he's constantly referencing it and uh, i think that's a special word for us today because the great harvest that we're going to see in these i believe last days um you know there'll probably be another generation of last days after after me as well of course but um but you know the 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 great harvest is 90% over 90% of the, of the unreached peoples of the world live in the poorest areas of the world yeah going to see global breakthrough it's going to be among the poor Mm. we've got to be people that love the poor embrace the poor um uh value the poor honor the poor raise up the poor Uh, i think that's a huge part of apostolic ministry and a huge part of apostolic example um and um so I think every every guy that kind of begins to sense they're coming through an apostolic ministry, they, they need to kind of... I mean, for me, for example, I'm a pastor. At, at rock bottom, I'm yeah. a pastor. I love people. I gather people. I care for people. I teach people. We fellowship with people. I'm a pastor. Um, but I gradually began, because God led me into various places, and, and we began to see um things open up and churches get planted and and things that i never dreamed you know or never really kind of expected or but there seem to be little breakthroughs and things like that and uh but also god's i god really touched my heart concerning the poor um and and so these are kind of three dimensions you know breakthrough um uh, you know, great commission kind of stuff. You know, going to all the world, reach all nations, preach the gospel to all nations, care for the poor. Um, all this stuff for me has come together, building up an apostolic-based church that that resourced all this. Um, uh, this, these are the kind of things that have kind of shaped m- my particular apostolic ministry by the grace of God but I'm well aware that other people have have different emphases in their in their ministries
0: very good yeah for sure I mean just even talking through different biblical names there you can in your head I was kind of thinking oh that's a bit like that person or this is a bit like so uh, very interesting um I think the breakthrough gift so the something from nothing is probably the most unusual one isn't it i mean that's it's because it's so difficult it's not common and it requires a certain i don't know quite what the word is there's bravery or or stubbornness maybe where you just think this (laughs) uh, is that this is where god wants to break through i'm gonna go which is probably the thing you you have done the most isn't it to go somewhere where there's nothing so you talked about uh how god you went to moscow a couple of times and then ended up in kind of more southern russia into ukraine yes. and, and that was a bit breakthrough for you where, where else has that worked out like that
1: um well just about everywhere i you know um <laughs> uh i think let um I, you know i could give you a few stories um um but uh for example let me just say in switzerland um in the early days this was right in the early days back in the 1980s um how do you you know god has spoken to me about german speaking world um, did i mention to you how we got going in austria
0: Yep. yeah you talked about that last time yeah
1: but then um uh i was um invited by arthur wallace i mentioned him last time to go to he was doing a little conference in switzerland and because i knew arthur i said can i come along and um so i went along he did all the preaching i sat at the back i'm a good back row guy um and um didn't really kind of get to know anyone certainly no one came to speak to me except one guy who was in clerical robes with a big cross someone i instinctively avoid and he started to talk to me very friendly very kind guy gave me his card we talked for five minutes said goodbye never thought of him again um about a year later maybe even longer i was looking through my file of contacts and stuff and his card fell out of the file and um i just heard god speak to me in my heart again so go and see that guy. I was actually going on a a trip to Switzerland um, to another place where I I had an invitation. So um, I had this card and I looked it up on the map and uh, his address and saw it wasn't too far from where I was going. So after I finished, added in a couple of days on the trip just to, who knows what would happen. And after the ministry weekend, I, I drove to where this bloke was And uh, the church was a a, a traditional church. Uh, There was no one there, no one around. It was in a little village. An old lady passed the church. We stopped her and and just said, do you know this guy? And she said, oh, yes, uh, but he's moved from here. I said, do you know where he's moved? And it was to another town. She didn't know his address. So we drove another 34 kilometers to another town, got there, thinking, right, where do we go from here? How do we meet the guy? Another guy passed the car. We were in the car park in the center of this town. And uh, I just spoke to a guy passing by. I said, you don't know where uh, this guy do you? And he said, I do actually. I said, you don't know where he lives, do you? And he said, yeah, he lives up that road, second on, uh, you know, and so we drove up there, literally knocked on a door. Um, uh, uh, and he came to the door. He didn't recognize me uh, from, you know, a year or so ago. So I said who I was. And he said, oh, come come in. Let's have a coffee. Had a coffee. And uh, I reminded him who I was. <laughs> having a coffee, a, a spirit of prophecy came over me. And I began to prophesy to him. And he and his wife wept. And um, I said, God is with you. You're, you he's calling you to plant a new church don't worry about all the people speaking against you and the opposition and and all the stuff just do it says the lord get 200 chairs because 200 chairs are going to be filled on your first meeting uh, so it's a very kind of specific you know kind of word anyway as it happened a few weeks before that um he um, he, because he couldn't compromise on the gospel, and he'd actually resigned his post in in the state church of Switzerland, mm. and uh, they were praying about should they start another church, and this guy from England rolls up and says, "God is with you. Start a new church. Get 200 chairs," <laughs> and they did. And don't worry, all of everyone was speaking against him. A a good thing to remember is when everyone speaks against you, God is probably for you to do it. Uh, That's a a good. But that's not to say don't listen to to wise counsel. But very often that's the way it is. And um, first meeting, there were just over two hundred people, and uh, and so that is um, uh, uh, you know how we kind of broke through into Switzerland. Mm. I was then invited to um, uh, a full gospel businessmen's meeting. Someone came up to me in that original meeting. Oh, I haven't got time to tell you the story, but again, I'm, I'm literally sat at the back doing nothing, not speaking to anyone. Someone invites me to a full gospel businessmen's meeting. I prophesy to someone, it's so breakthrough prophecy on right on the, on the nail. That opened up a whole new opportunity in uh, the French part of Switzerland. So the German part and the French part of Switzerland just opened up like that through a prophetic
2: gift. Mm-hmm.
1: And so um, this, is, um, this is how I began to... I told you about Austria. I told you about the, um, what happened in Southern Russia. Um, this this is, I believe, in the realm of signs, because si- we think of signs as kind of huge, great, incredible things, but usually, in my little experience, signs are signs from God that he's doing something. Yeah. So to, to meet this guy and prophesy over him, it, it becomes a sign. It's a sign for them. Yeah, it's a sign for me. Yeah, um, and God Gives a little breakthrough. Usually what happens is he brings people together. Mm. It's like fusion and synergy. Energy is released and something new starts happening. And and the very fact that a relationship kind of springs out of nothing is is part of the whole breakthrough process. Mm. I can tell you dramatic breakthroughs with dramatic signs. um, And... (laughs) In, in fact, when I when I really began to understand that the, the hand of God was on me for some kind, and I began to think of myself as possibly apostolic back in the 1990s, um, I, I had a trip to Kyrgyzstan. Right. right. Where is that? Central Asia. It used right. to be one of the nations that comprised the old Soviet Union so a whole communist nation still kind of with with communist governments and that kind of stuff and uh i went there with a german friend and um uh and we uh, uh, we were invited by an austrian missionary who'd heard me preaching on the tape and and anyway um and uh and and there were there was just such an outbreak of healings, and people coming and gathering to the meetings. And one night we were we were um, worshiping. I don't don't think I told you this story before, but the whole place went silent. There was such a presence of God,
2: mm.
1: and we just we heard like singing, some beautiful sound. Coming from outside, and we went outside, and it, this place was right under the, you know, where the Tien Shan Mountains, that which bordered China, where the Uyghurs are, right, West China. So this was just east west of Western yeah. China, um, and the whole mountainside was covered in lights. It was the it was the choir of angels. You could just hear the noise, cascading down the mountains. You could see the lights twinkling and flashing. Glory filled the sky. Mm. Uh, I've never known that before or since, Mm. but it was uh, just an amazing experience. It kind of moves me now as I remember it. Mm. Afterwards, the missionary wrote wrote and said, do you know that out of that conference, People went back home. They and they they came from different places across that area. New churches were planted, and uh, and and sh- uh, this missionary lady said, "It's just triggered, kind of. A, it's like a, a salvation move of God. There were so many healings. People have, of uh, you know, uh, it's just carried on. You know, and I I began to realize that." That was um, that was, I think, when I personally um, realised that, that God was somehow using me in in these kind of breakthrough ways. Mm.
0: So there seems to be, as you're talking, there seems to be a there's a confidence thing, isn't there, with this? There's a certain confidence to go and just go in the first place so and then there you'd seen there's a bringing of confidence in a place as well isn't there so which is maybe not doing it slight disservice in describing it but um because I, I, I wrote down as when well, you were talking because you'd said if everybody's against it sometimes that proves god's in it that <laughs> that it takes a certain stubbornness even to yeah. to get to that doesn't it so yeah. um and it's actually i've been reflecting on so there's a few people i know who I would think probably have uh, who are gifted apostolically uh, and younger guys as well, who are a bit you think looking at you and your life, I'd imagine I can see that. And in all of them, there is a certain stubbornness <laughs> to, to kind of you think, uh, where, whereas maybe the rest of us would be like, no, that's ridiculous. They're, they're a, There's more of a no, actually, this is the right thing to do. I'm going to go and do it uh, even to the point where, I, I mean, you were advising them, look, this is going to cost you if you do this. Um, so, would you, do you think that's a fair summary, fair description? Yeah,
1: I, I, I think I, I would rather use a different word than stubbornness, which is kind of isn't stubbornness as, is, as the sin of idolatry or something in the <laughs> yeah, Okay, fair. So, let's, let's try, let's, let's use another word. But Confidence then. Doggedness, a determination, a, a sense of uh, assurance that you're doing the right thing. Yeah, and I, and I think that is um, part of, 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 of the journey, part of the ministry. And I would say, what gives that confidence? Actually, I, I've always been quite a fearful person. Mm. So I'm not a natural, naturally confident um, person at all. In mm. fact, when I became a believer... Um, you know, I was, I was really timid, really fearful, I could tell you a lot about that. It's, a, it's an incredible freedom when you're delivered from fear. Mm. It doesn't mean to say you'll never be afraid. Yes. It means that, that whole oppressive feeling that stops you doing anything, that robs you of confidence, that always thinks the bad outcome is gonna happen, rather than the good outcome that knotting up in the stomach yeah all that kind of stuff to be delivered and set free from that into the into the you know we're no longer slaves to fear we're now children that is an incredible breakthrough mm. hallelujah um but the there is a basis there has to be a basis on which your confidence rests yeah i i would for me the, the basis, and and when I feel a, a sense of supreme confidence rising up in me, and it is like that, it kind of rises up within you. Yeah. Um. And it, it's when God has clearly spoken to you and and shown you uh, what He wants you to do. Now, and I, I think that is that that is a massively important. Experience of God—it's a spiritual, personal experience in the presence of God, when you are, are clearly here. I think God—if you, you look through Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, the leading of God. There wasn't so much strategizing. Yes. Right? We have a big strategy, and we're going to take a team here, and we're going to raise a load of money to the, the Great Commission. I mean, when you think about it, Jesus is speaking to a a bunch of disciples that have never been outside of Israel in their lives. The the thought of preaching the gospel to the ends of the earth, what what a joke is that? Mm. It would have been crazy to them. Mm. But Jesus didn't make it a strategizing issue, a resource-raising issue, but he just said, you go. You go, and if you read the Matthew 28 version, he starts off the Great Commission with all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. He ends up the Great Commission with go, and I will be with you until mm-hmm. the end of the age. And so, what, what he's saying is, he's saying, You just go. You, you, it's, it's not a it's, it's an obedience issue, it's taking a step of faith issue, it's a personal issue. We we shouldn't make mission a massive, great logistical enterprise.
2: Mm.
1: It's a personal step of faith in obedience to what God's told you to do. It's a personal thing. And I think we need to kind of get the personal, you know, and the simple and follow the leading of God and take a step of faith. And Jesus is saying, you go and I'll be with you. I'll open the doors I'll give the miracles, I'll provide the money, I'll shut the mouths of all those who oppose you, I'll set you free from jail when they chuck you in jail, I'll send earthquakes, I'll send angels, I'll deliver you from shipwrecks, I'll be with you, and, open, and I'll open people's hearts and just watch. This is the partnership of the Great Commission. We go, we take a step of faith, and God's with us. And so and so you see that Whenever there's breakthroughs, it's usually a specific direction from God, the way Peter was led to Cornelius. It's all a miraculous kind of thing.
2: Mm.
1: You know how that happened when Paul went, was the Holy Spirit had stopped him preaching the gospel in Asia. Then there's a man from Macedonia in his dreams saying, Come on over here. It's it's a it's breakthrough words of God. That's mm-hmm. And so the issue comes down to hearing God. How do we hear God? Mm. Simple things. Mm. Hear a word, God speaks to us. We hear it in our hearts somehow. We see a vision, either, either when we're awake, that's a vision, or when we're asleep, that's a dream. We see something. There's an audible visual aspect to it. And the other simple thing is there's an emotion to it. God stirs the emotion. You feel the anger of heaven. You feel the joy of heaven. You feel the compassion of God. You feel the the, the faith, the, the almighty, net. you feel it, you feel a sense of urgency. And and when you hear something, see something, and feel something, you know, and it's all in your spirit. We we so often look for other people, you know, and we grasp at prophetic words. We 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 we, we hope that, you know, and we end up in the realm of hope, you know, and uh, we, we need to know it. Prophetic words confirm what we know in our hearts. Mm. Um, I think there's a whole, we need to understand the prophetic ministry, what the difference between a prophet and someone who prophesies. Mm. Prophets bring direction. Mm. Um, everyone can prophesy, but not everyone's a prophet.
0: No, absolutely yeah absolutely
1: so, anyway so there's there's a little bit of, of that stuff
0: no that's really interesting so in, i mean you're talking about breakthrough it seems the the charismatic uh, kind of gift is, is very important in that which uh, again in the new frontiers world it would be um would, that would be a little bit implicit for us um but so for those who, who aren't in that world perhaps less so who knows but um so but, but I, I would say, I, I would just emphasize that point because when Paul
1: had that dream about man from Macedonia, mm. he says in the morning, he got up early, concluding that God had called us to, to go and they set off for Philippi,
2: mm.
1: right? When God speaks and God gives direction, it's so clear and so definite and distinct, you can draw conclusions from it and you can base your course of action, your next steps of faith, what you're gonna do next, you can base with confidence on that knowledge of God's direction for you, and you go and do it.
2: Mm.
1: And your only confidence is in what God has shown. It's not because everyone agrees. It's not because you've got the money to do it. If, if you've got the money to do it, you probably it probably isn't from God 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 tell only tells you to do something and which is impossible for you to do and 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 so stepping out of faith in our kind of culture and and generation we know we need money to get stuff done yeah and we know we haven't got money we've never got enough money yeah and that's the reality, you know, that's the big challenge for us. Where's the money coming from? That's the big question. Is, yeah. You get to the point of saying, I've got no money, but God has said, right, we're on the road. We're gonna, we're gonna do it. God will yeah. provide along the way. Go and I will be with you. And and that that's where the courage comes in. As you do it, knowing that you've got nothing, you're totally unable to do it yeah um uh, often people are saying don't do it because it's crazy um and you do it because god has put something in your heart
0: see i think it's very interesting what you're talking about here so i'm just reflecting and uh, um i think when so if pastors are listening to this i think uh, the vocation of a pastor is uh, always a, a tricky one for people to to navigate in terms of it just even in terms of what you give your time to and how you um, where your confidence comes from, where your sense of direction comes from. So you may feel the sense of direction comes from the expectation of your, if your leadership team or your church um, and, um, or it may come from like, so you talked a bit about fear there as well. Uh, and there can be, I think of numbers of pastors I would know uh, and myself included actually, but you can, build your, uh, what you are doing as a pastor, as a leader of a church, uh, around all sorts of different kind of uh, influences and pressures that come at you. Um, and I think we don't talk very much about the the prayer life of the pastor and the hearing from God that pastors need to do. Uh, and part of that is because that, it, you know, without wanting to strangle into legalism, it is um, it, it takes time, doesn't it? Actually, there is a a, a diarising of this. Uh, actually, your your diary reflects what's important to you. Uh, at least your diary reflects perhaps w- what you're scared of, <laughs> and perhaps uh, you're you're scared of your people or your your leaders and not enough scared of God. And maybe it's a funny way of putting it. But uh, and also I've noticed in um and I have felt this pressure myself, especially with lockdown, is the the pressure on pastors and um, to be um kind of strategists, um, which has been blown out of the water by a pandemic um, because our strategies are revealed. um, And also content creators. Now, I'm aware that we're on a podcast at the moment, (laughs) and so content is very useful. um, But increasingly with uh, with social media, with the Internet, for pastors to be people who create thought provoking uh, content, which actually is really very difficult to do and very few people do it very well. Um, but actually, what you're talking about here is a very different. I'm not sure it's very different. It, it's a there's a philosophical thing at stake, isn't there? I think in this, does that make sense? I'm rambling. Now.
1: I, I think there's um, uh, an a an, an, if you talk philosophy, philosophy of ministry. There's there's um, an approach to ministry. There's um, what what is considered to be important in terms of. Um, you know uh causing you to do something your motivation uh, i can I only i think there are lots of valid motive motivations and i really don't want to come over in any sense that you know this is a superior way to anyone else i can just say this is for me how god has kind of led me i think we're all very different mm. um we all have different makeups um But I can say for me, a fearful, timid, um, uh, you know, with with nothing going for him, uh, it's all been changed because of the word of God to me. Mm. And and I don't look for guidance in the circumstances. I'm not looking for confirmations uh, in in the circumstances. I'm wanting to hear the word of God in my heart. Mm. And and I've learned the value of that, and I and I try not to move or do anything until I've actually had that clearly in my heart. Mm. Changes one to from being fearful to being bold. Um, some of the, the things we've done and places we've gone, um, you know, have the the only reason has been because God has put it in our hearts to do it, mm. um, and. Uh, i i I do think my opinion for what it's worth is that um, to see a breakthrough a breakthrough essentially is doing something or being caught up in something you've never done before mm. never seen before you have no experience it takes you to another level mm. opens another door it 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 changes the game mm. it, it's, you know the status quo is no longer your security
2: Mm.
1: Um, it moves you on what moves you on what what moves any of us on what gives a breakthrough is god speaking and being humble enough bold enough whatever it is but inside something happens something changes and you determine to do it you're going to do it with with or with or without money, Paul, I love the way Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4, it's actually in the context of money, um, you read the chapter, and basically he's saying, I've learned to be content with or without money, mm. Said I, it, that's in plenty, or, or being abased, or in plenty, uh, that's fine, and what he, what he was really saying was this is my take on it anyway is i'm 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 everything god's called me to do i can do it and i'm going to do it with or without money whether i'm I haven't got any money where i'm not going to be stopped because i haven't got money i'm not going to be deflected into a life of of calming down and and because I've got plenty of money, and that kind of, you know, kind of brings some complacency in. I'm not going to be deflected. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to, with or without money, I can do all things through Christ. It wasn't who strengthens me. It was when you feel strengthened in your heart, when you have that sense of the, the strength of God, the, you know, that God is with you, um, you can do, I can do all things, everything God's called me to do. I can do, hmm. can't do it. some people say I can do all things. You can't do all things. I've laid hands on my old car and said, be a BMW.
2: And it doesn't work. <laughs>
1: I've looked in the mirror and said, be slim in Jesus name. And it doesn't work. <laughs> you can't do anything, but you can do everything that God's called you to do. And it doesn't take money to do it. It takes obedience and faith. Yes. The money will come.
0: Very good. So um, let's think a little bit about, uh, so as you began this and you've, and over the years of um, a lot of travel, a lot of different nations, building a lot of different relationships. Uh, how has that worked with you being a pastor of a local church? Cause you've done that basically for the whole time through as well. How does, how did you help your church To become part of that and not just be this is what martin does um how how is it (laughs) a whole church project does that make sense
1: yeah very much so um and it's an essential part of of the whole deal catching that your own church the the local church um up in this vision this understanding of the great commission Mm. from the beginning i would preach it i'll say we're in a little village here um but, you know, this is our Jerusalem, but there's Southampton down the road. There's, that's our Judea. There's the Solent area. You know, that's our Samaria. Then there's the ends of the earth. So God's calling us to ripple out and reach the ends of the earth. And I preached that um, right from the beginning when we were a handful of people. And uh, and so it was kind of gradually built into the DNA of the church. Mm. And, um and people knew that that and there'd be offerings for it so um, we we got into doing having a special offering and that's an I, I think um, there, there, we could say a whole lot about how you know the, the whole issue of taking up special special offerings imply that you're going to need a special amount of faith a special amount of sacrificial giving a special amount of of generosity, you know, it's all special. We've we've kind of downgraded special offerings to because it's out of the ordinary, you know, it's not just your run of run of the mill what yeah. you do every week in collecting money. A special offering is a special offering. It it it's a huge deal for the church. Anyway, yeah. by the by, <laughs> but but that is part of. Getting the DNA, getting this kind of international DNA thing into the hearts of the people. Then, whenever I go on a trip, I take people with me. Yeah. Come back all enthused, saying, "Wow, you never guess what happened to this!" And they come back bouncing, and uh, and then they share it, and then other people want to come. That's part of it. You then invite people over who you've begun to make relationships with. Um, and they meet people and they can tell their stories. Um, I think, as well, what also helps is being a good storyteller. Mm. Doesn't mean an, uh, someone who exaggerates. Well, my wife always warns me against exaggeration. <laughs> Very good. God help me, please. Um, but it, it, you know, if you can, if you tell the story and people think, wow. You know, instead of just saying, "Oh, we had a meeting on Sunday, and it was you know, it was pretty," you know, but if you can, if you can say, you know, God spoke to me, and then the Holy Spirit fell on this, and then I I get this letter. Look, I've had this letter. This is what someone wrote to me afterwards. And and you you do you know what I mean? You kind of convey yeah. the wonder of it, the the excitement of it. Jesus said, "Go go go and preach the gospel, and these signs will follow you." People want to see signs in their church. Yeah. They sit around on their on their backsides on a Sunday morning, see some signs and, and wonders. Yeah, Jesus said, "You go, and these signs will follow you." Yeah, happen when you go, they'll follow. And praise God, we have signs and miracles, healings occasionally in the church as well. But we have got to get this sense of excitement. Let's get caught up in the Great Commission. This is what. The whole cross is about the cross and the resurrection is that the gospel can be preached to the ends of the earth yeah that's that's the god's plan of salvation for the human race reach the world and and you kind of communicate that and um and and if if you if you can enthuse people like you're enthused we often try and preach stuff what touches people's hearts is when what i this is again this is my my own little observation rightly or wrongly but if i'm moved by something i know other people are going to be moved Mm. if i'm touched if i'm excited other people are gonna that that's gonna touch and excite other people if Mm. i'm not moved and i'm just preaching something from the bible but there's no life in it because I haven't been moved and touched by it myself how can I expect other people to, to 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 you communicate through the spirit and and touch people's hearts so you catch people up in the vision and so the the vision of the, of the church here in in uh, in Hedge End has, has been we're going to build up an apostolic base that we need a building it's gonna it's gotta be a large church because it's got a resource a work to the ends of the of, 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 of the ends of the world. And so everyone's always thought big church, building, where are we going to build a building? We need a base. Where are we going to meet? You know, how are we going to do all? You know, it's been in the DNA, special offerings. We can give, and God will multiply the little bit that we give, like loaves and fishes and mm-hmm. Will, you know just multiply and there's faith in it there's there's joy in it there's people love it they you know they they get hold of it so first of all you build the dna of of of, of the church so then how do you handle it time-wise well again i think one of the aspects of sending see i think that there are there are four things that we need to kind of and this is, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm preaching a little bit here, but um, we need for we we need a sense of calling from God. Yeah, um, we need the the gracing of God, the grace of God on that. That's the enabling power of God. Mm. So we we need the recognition. So it's not just you living in a fantasy world of your own, doing your own thing independently, but there's recognition to it.
2: Yeah.
1: And there's sending. Now calling is to do with identity and purpose. It answers the question of who am I, and what am I to do? Yeah. That's that's uh, the first step. Lots of people don't know who they are in God. They don't have a sense of calling. Mm. don't know what their purpose is what they're called to do it's identity and purpose that's what calling is all about sending is all it answers the questions where and when it makes your calling specific it turns the green light the red light green it says now go and go here go there do this do that it makes it all specific and so, you know, I when when you so I've, you know, trying to weigh up all the priorities of, you know, we're doing this in the church, that in the church, God says, right, now is the time, plan this trip, go there, respond to this invitation, don't go there, say no to that. You know, so you're you're it's it's not like the whole thing is planned out in a strategy. Mm. I'm not against strategizing, don't don't get me wrong. There there is strategizing as well. Mm. But you strategize on hearing, having heard the word of God.
2: Yeah.
1: It's it's basically saying, right, God's spoken, right, how are we going to do it? Yes. You know, it's not, it never takes the place of hearing from God. Yeah. So there's a whole issue of building, team building in the church. So you've got people looking after all the aspects of the ministry in the local church. So you can leave them do it. You can leave them get on with it. They can do it without you. And you gradually leave them with more and more responsibility. And and they show that they can do it better than you. And if you get out of the way, they'll do it. The church is blessed because you're not there controlling it all. Go away, they would say, leave it to us. And, And you think, wow, praise God, it's wonderful. And uh, and, and they would, I'd come back and think, wow, they've done they're, they're better than me, and <laughs> and so you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff, but I it and it does take um a wife who is totally in it with you, and she is like you, you know, if, if the kids are little, there are times when the, your wife can't come with you. Mm. But if she shares the vision and and um, and she understands what our lives are about, our calling, she will say go. we it's always be with her agreement. Then gradually, she comes along more as the kids grow up, circumstances change. You kind of work out what how your family can cope with that. Mm. Um, and uh, but it does require physical strength, it, you know. It, I mean, I take people away with me sometimes, even as an old man, I've got a bunch of youngsters with me, and they're sleeping all the time, and I, you know, I say, oh. you know, we'd get off the plane in some place, and, and then we'd rent a car, and I'll drive them for a couple of hours, and they're all sleeping in, in the car, because we got up at three o'clock in the morning, <laughs> and we get out the other end, and I'm preaching. <laughs> and they're still sleeping actually maybe that's my preaching but
0: <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> but, so yeah. I, I, the other thing I've been thinking about um and you know, so it's very interesting The what you're talking about the calling there is and and knowing who you are knowing who you are and what you're called to as a pastor actually I think is is uh, is so important for the being able to say yes and the being able to say no I think uh, and yeah. then working out how to do that humbly in your church, so that the vision of the church, so the church grows really, because you can be, you can swing too far in that and just be very controlling. Uh, and uh, so it's a, it's a a real thing to, to work out. And uh, the other thing I wanted to ask about just to, to finish really, is with traveling, um, and to all the different cultures, and particularly, I mean, one of the ways you've really engaged your church back home is with the poor. So you set up a whole extra poor charity, um, which has you know served many many people done very well um being exposed to other cultures particularly those that are quite poor uh, must have affected how you have pastored the the brits back home uh, and how that is so talk me through how you've done that and actually how you've uh, so for me if I'm meeting very poor people abroad which I've done a, a number of times and you come back home and you maybe hear somebody complaining about something and you think well it's just nothing what are you talking about um but actually how you do that with grace and mercy on, on both sides if that so how has how that worked for you
1: um I think um again this is a massively important it's, I can only talk from personal yeah. experience again, but um, I was a very cold bloke, uh, cold, hard-hearted. Um, you know, when I became a believer, you know, um, uh, my upbringing trained me well to be like that. Um, I would never cry and never admit weakness or anything like that. Um, and uh, And I can only say, uh, that God had to completely break my heart. Um, and that happened in Romania over, um, you know, uh, immediately in the aftermath of communism. Mm-hmm. You may remember all those horrible pictures in, of orphanages and all that. Yeah. And I'd been foster carers, so we were always child-oriented. So we always had kids in the home, babies, you know, Along with our own kids. Um, we were very oriented towards helping kids. Um, and when we went in these orphanages, you know, they there'd all be all these little kids running at you, naked, pus everywhere, stuff crawling around on the smell was horrible, you know, but completely unloved, untouched, uncared for. A jump in the gainer's arms, she would love them. She was fine with them. For me, I'm thinking, oh, no, you know, what am I going to catch if they touch me? And I was keeping them all at arm's length. And I realised, what how cold and hard-hearted I was. I was unmoved. Mm. You know, I knew it was horrible and all that. You see it on the telly, but it's different when you're there, when you touch and smell and all that um and god just broke my heart i cried and cried for weeks and uh that's how anyway that's how we um we set up our charity called cry <laughs>
2: it's prophetically
1: called Air and relief for the young but it grew out of what god said to me i said god what what can we do what tell just i i don't know i'm just completely broken and devastated and God just said, learn to cry. Just cry for these little ones. That was the phrase, mm. cry for these little ones. And it wasn't so much about doing something for them, it was feeling the compassion of heaven. Mm. God's love for these little ones. And I that completely devastated me and changed me for life. Mm. Still cry every day. Mm. You know, I because you know yesterday I got a letter from some people about what was happening, and I'm weeping before God. I'm I'm crying, and so out of that, we just the whole issue of how we treat people, how I as a pastor treat people, care for people. Um, treat people with dignity understand what it is to honor the least honorable understand when it when it says embrace one another as christ has embraced you receive one another love one another serve one another consider others better than yourself i mean that's a tough one that is isn't it because i'm the best you know that is a, that is a, you know we think our opinion is the right opinion, we think you know our plan is the best plan. We think you know we we have a tendency to be to think of ourselves as a bit more sophisticated than other cultures. Perhaps mm-hmm. we think of ourselves as pastors. We often you know we we there there's it's easy to be theologically sophisticated and a bit bit more superior
2: yeah
1: we, we yeah. understand you know we've we've studied this we you know we yeah. our theology is a bit you know kind of you know our movement is a bit better than your movement our church is a bit blah 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 you yeah. just have this sense of of um you know of course you you hide it well <laughs> we're good at camouflaging all this stuff and uh You know, so you're not... It's not just a case of being broken hearted for the poor. It's being broken hearted because you are such a horrible person. Mm. Or You are the sinner for whom Christ died. Mm. You are the the rebel, the heart, the... You know, and you, you begin to see all your people as people you are to serve. And that's a whole... You know, Jesus came down... He's the God who comes down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Us, you know, we as pastors and leaders, we have to learn to come down under people and mm-hmm. serve people and it, lift them up. Our The whole emphasis, this is a culture change. Our, our ministry is to serve people so that God's best for their lives can happen. The mm-hmm. calling of God on their lives can happen. You're serving them Rather than trying to fit people into your vision and what you want them to do, mm. and, uh, and I tell you, there's such an emphasis of that. You know, the pastors, the leaders, they they have the vision. They mm. everyone's got a vision for their lives. Let's serve their vision, and mm. see how God will see that it all comes together in one glorious unifying vision where you all work together and serve together and something glorious and wonderful happens so i i began to see and we wrote it into the earliest um kind of um statement about our our book you know um, our vision and value statement that yeah. everyone is of worth in the eyes of god we treat everyone with dignity we we love the weak the poor the um people from other nations other other ethnicities other other backgrounds whether they're educated or uneducated whether they're born or unborn i mean that's uh, you know there's no place for abortion in in you know we we need to be compassionate of course but um uh, but you know, they're the weakest, most vulnerable. Um, what, Whether you're male or female, whether you're married or single, whether you're old or young, whether you're whole or infirm, whether you're a United supporter or a city supporter. We all need, you know, we need to respect and honor and, you know, whether you're fat or thin, whether you're, you know, what, whatever your background, employed or unemployed, rich or poor, value everyone. That is a that is the biggest culture thing to to learn. Value everyone. And people say to me, "I'm useless with food," you know. And people, when you're in some of these cultures, I'm looking at the food and thinking, "I can't eat that. That's going to make me sick." <laughs> and everyone says, "Oh, you've got to eat the food." Mm. know and show them that you're you know you're sitting where they're sitting eating their food and they do it all that's that kind of stuff and uh and i know that i'll be sick if i do it yeah and so you know it's not about the food actually because i would explain to people and say look i'm sorry i would you know i i i've got a weak stomach i you know and then they they would find something to bring they would serve you give them the opportunity to serve you and bless you and all this cross-cultural stuff, which I'm really, I study it, you know, you've got to be contextually relevant and all this kind of stuff, of course. Um, but do you know what I think is the, is the thing that works best in any culture? Go on. Love and respect. <laughs> Just love them, respect them. Really respect. I mean, I I I don't understand all the internet. I'm married to a Welsh wife. I, I still don't understand Welsh ways. She still surprises me. You know, she's a culture shock to me. <laughs> and gloriously so. But you know, when I went to Greenland the after the, the first trip, the, the guy there said to me, you know, he said some somehow. You relate to Inuit Eskimos. You touch their hearts. You're one of us. You're part of it. You're like, you know. He said, how do you do that? Mm. I've no idea. (laughs) But you love them. I love those guys. You know, I've done all the ins and outs of how they live and everything. Obviously, you build that up. But it's not so much an intellectual exercise. It's a heart thing.
0: Very good. I mean, it, it, that's a great place to finish. Uh, ref, just for ref, a reflection, there you talked about knowing your own calling and your own, you know, what and your own identity in God, and then at the, that surely is the point where, well, that's where your heart is restored, really, so that you can just love people and then look to serve them and bring them through. I think those those two things, which look quite difficult to put together, actually can't really work without each other, can they? So very good. Um, Well, Martin, we're going to finish there. Um, Thank you very much for your time. I think talking about this stuff, talking about how we do, um, how we do world mission, how we do faith um, for our own church, for ourselves, hearing God's. I think these are vitally important things. Uh, for pastors I was even thinking in the UK at this moment as we're becoming slightly more isolated <laughs> whether by you can't catch a plane anyway because of covid or by brexit actually to have a big world view uh, and remember God's heart for uh, nations and his love for them I think it's just really important I think you have been uh, great with that so thank you very much for your time and we will finish there
1: thank you it's been a pleasure God bless you
0: thank you cheers.